you're listening to Contesting Wrestling, uh, it's coming out on October 25th, 2019. Yeah, we're reflecting on episode four, which featured Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio from WCW Halloween Havoc 1997. Yep. And uh, the scramble, the Ring of Honor Scramble Cage Melee. Big question or big issue that I just want to open up with. Much of our debate so far, insofar as it's been a debate over the value of wrestling, or or much of Evan's complaints about wrestling, have had to do with it not being satisfying um, from an entertainment perspective. That, you know, a lot of it seems boring, a lot of it seems slow. Now, beyond just the question of wrestling being entertaining, I just want to point to an issue that some listeners might be thinking about that certainly comes up in the philosophical literature about art and art criticism and that sort of stuff, which is about the function of art. And there are a lot of people who would draw a strict boundary between art and entertainment and say that the function of art isn't just to satisfy the desires of consumers and just to entertain people, but to make you think to make you feel certain things that you might actually be rather uncomfortable about, to draw attention to important aspects of society. And and so there might be a larger question here about whether wrestling is capable of those things. Now, I am not an adherent of this strict art-entertainment dichotomy. I think that it's actually very harmful in some ways. The um, American philosopher John Dewey, talked about this in his book, Art as Experience. And he was talking about comic strips and jazzed music. But ja- um, Jazzed, like jazz in the past tense. Right, right, like music that has been jazzed. Ah, okay. Um, and because uh, th- those, those were relatively new art forms at the time he was writing. So, so Coltrane jazzed my favorite things. Exactly. Okay. Um, and Dewey said, look, a lot of people. I, I played that for uh, our friend referee B. Ross, and she freaked the hell out. It's she, a, she grew up with the sound of music and had never heard anything resembling free jazz before. It's an amazing piece. Oh, yeah. Um, and if you listen to it over the years, it just gets wilder and wilder. As oh, it yeah. Oh, it. yeah. Listen yeah. to some of the versions from like 65. So Dewey says, look, a lot of people consume things that they don't think of as art. And but that they really have a close connection with things that are art, if not being art themselves. And it's to it's to the detriment of the people consuming this stuff that they don't demand more of it because they don't think of it as art. If you think of it as just entertainment, well, then it can kind of suck. You know, it doesn't have to make you think and it doesn't have to make you feel. But if you think of it as art and you demand more of it, then, you know, you can this all of this time that you're spending with this thing could be more productive and more beneficial. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't spend time with things that, you know, just simply entertain you and just simply make you feel good. But I think, you know, if we were, you know, jazz and comic strips have developed into way more sophisticated art forms um, than they were in their genesis. And I have that hope for professional wrestling that the more critically we look at it and the more that uh, viewers demand of it, the more it could possibly reach uh, the level of artistry that other media have attained. 
based on what I've seen so far, and especially, you know, when I think about this match, the Eddie Ray match, all wrestling would really need to do to get me at this point is change the ratio of how much of it sucks to how much of it is good. <laughs> like, seriously, because if I, like, I am terrified of the idea that we are eventually going to have to sit down and watch a full pay-per-view. Like, if I'm going to really fully get the yeah. experience of being a wrestling fan, I'm going to have to sit through, like, a four- to six-hour WrestleMania. If not weeks of television building up to it. I mean, I, I'll have um, to watch that, too, because I'm, I'm trying to go for the full experience. And I'm, I'm my... honestly thinking we should start showing Evan a, a serial sooner than later, and I am honestly thinking it should be power. Because it's a tight hour. If you don't like anything, it's done in a couple of minutes. There's only a few episodes of it so far, and they're building up to their first pay-per-view. I understand that not everything is going to be as good as this match. And from what I can understand, within the wrestling fandom, this match is considered, you know, in the upper echelon of One matches. One of the all-time classics, for sure. So anyway. not, a, not everything is going to be this good. But yeah, I, I, just need, I just need to not be afraid that I'm going to go and watch something for four hours and only like 10% of it. Right. That's fair. Oh, I've also been thinking about this question in light of the recent comments by directors like Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese directed at the Marvel uh, comics movies uh, where, you know, which have ranged between saying like, these are bad movies to they are despicable and are corrupting our society. Not cinema. Right. right, is the phrase. Yeah, and you know, outlaw mud show. Fucking no. There's a lot of different things you could say here. I think there are three different questions that we want to be asking if we're if we're thinking about this stuff seriously. One question is: Is any of this stuff bad for you? Second question: um, Is it good? Does it have some value? Third question. Is it art? Does it have the same value that we attribute to things that we want to call art? And those are three separate questions. And I think we can answer them in various different ways. I'd say... Um, are we answering them for wrestling or for the Marvel movies? Um, I, th I think there's a sort of a, a parallel. I mean, uh, I, think, I think of them as sort of in the same, in the same wheelhouse, in the same vein. Um, but like for any of them, my answer is put them shortly would be this are they bad for you no so long as they're you're so long as one you're not overdoing it right so like you know if they are just sugary treats that make you feel good well the thing about sugary treats is in small doses they're fine now anything you become addicted to and this goes back to some other conversations we've had. Anything that um, is hurting your life, you know, is is making you unhappy, is interfering with other things you're doing. Anything that you can't stop doing if you want to, that's bad for you, right? So to the point where people can become addicted to pretty much anything and to the point that this kind of media might be particularly addictive in some ways, Porn is another example, you know, where a little bit is probably not bad for you. If you're watching porn all day, it probably is. So in that question, it's like, no, by itself, a little bit, it's not bad for you. Maybe it could be bad for you if you consumed it in extreme quantities. Can I just add something to that real yeah. quick? So I, I, I might disagree with you a little bit on that because in, this, in the sense that wrestling, 
and the Marvel movies and porn, something that all of them have in common, I think, is that they can be damaging if you are uncritical of them. Because if you, like, if you just, like, you know, it's not a problem that, you know, I don't know, that, like, teenagers watch porn. The problem is that they watch it and don't have enough of a critical faculty or enough of an intellectual understanding of what sex is actually like, where they take the inherent, like, uh, they take the unspoken politics of porn and they take that as reality, something like that. The Marvel movies, which I fucking love and have seen almost every single one of them in the theaters. But, Me too. But they are... I've, I've seen a handful of them and I really like the ones that I've seen. And they and they're great and well acted and 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 the thirty people who came together as a committee to write the scripts did a remarkable job and that sort of thing. But like some diminishing returns. Some diminishing as they've returns. They've been making more and more of them though. But the but like if you are not conscious, if you are not cognizant of the fact that like they are extremely worshipful of the military industrial complex and have like a very very specific attitude towards, you know, I guess what you could essentially call law enforcement or something like that. Like they, there is absolutely, I know this they, is a thing that unflawed. they're, they're not unflawed. And they're also like, there are politics in everything. I know this is a very divisive topic, especially in like nerdy communities, but I am definitely of, of the school of thought that, you know, there is no such thing as a piece of art or entertainment that does not have inherent politics. It might not be talking about electoral politics or anything like that, but there's something political. And I, and I just think you need to be aware of it. Yeah. And also, and beyond that, like also in terms of the quantity issue, I think part of the worry that guys like Coppola, the real worry that Coppola and Scorsese have uh, beneath their vitriol is that other cinema is going to kind of go out of business. There's so many fucking superhero movies that, you know, and they're expensive. It's expensive to go see a movie or even to buy one on freaking Amazon or whatever, wherever you're watching your movies, that people are going to forget about the rest of cinema and they're going to think this is the pinnacle of it or the only game in town. And that's that's problematic. Well, another thing about those guys, uh, you know, Scorsese and Coppola, you know, when they came up in the movie industry, they had a specific mission in terms of making uh, art out of movies in, in Hollywood that they saw as devoid of a lot of art at the time. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me at all that they see the modern stuff that people like and say this isn't art because they've made careers about saying that movies that they didn't make aren't art since the beginning. They've made some great movies, but uh, I don't know. It always it, they can say first of all, let me say they can say what they want. They're respected filmmakers. They can have their opinions, and that's fine. Uh, but I, I really I just think that they're in. Gen I think that the spirit of what they're saying is wrong and comes from a place of them just not understanding where the culture is right now because the culture loves these movies whether or not they understand the problems with them and when you're talking about the biggest budget films that's all that matters really and Re also what they're complaining about is that nobody's making like relatively serious mid-budget dramas i guess and it's just like hey dude that's all on tv now yeah look, look like that's the thing all all of the things that they want from cinema are just happening in on in in what we call TV that isn't really even TV. Or they're not like, starring old Italian guys. Yeah, and, and hey, I love old Italian guys. My grandpa was an old Italian guy. He lived to be 94. But they're not just not starring old Italian guys anymore. Also, to your point, Doc, um, the biggest budget 
biggest selling movies have always been kind of schlocky, right? Like, <laughs> right. Oh, definitely. Um, just because the Marvel Comics logo is on it, it doesn't make it, you know, it doesn't really separate it from like all the freaking cookie cutter action movies that dominated in the 90s. It, I'll even go one step further and say that Goodfellas is not really that far removed from superhero movies in terms of it being a power fantasy. I'm not, not, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's in terms of the politics. Yeah. No, the politics of major big budget Hollywood films have never been, uh, you know, nuanced and um, revolutionary, certainly. And it also kind of goes into the whole, I'm going to try to tie it back into wrestling now. Uh, It, there's this whole idea of canon, you know, of just like, oh, like what we accept as, as the great culture and what we accept as great works of art that we should all agree are great works of art. And there's always an inherent classism there. Yeah. There's absolutely, it is totally rooted in a concept of white supremacy and like what saying what art is quote unquote highbrow and, and sort of real art and what is not. And, you know, wrestling, my one of the biggest transformations I have had doing this podcast so far is I just, it's just, there's a lot more to it than I ever gave a credit for. There really is. There is so much more here than I would have thought. And there's still, you know, a lot of unbelievably dumb shit that I, sometimes I'm watching it and I'm like, I can't believe I have agreed to just keep making this (laughs) podcast and subject myself to this all the time. But there is like, people are very quick to look down on wrestling and and this you know these things have changed over the you know Shakespeare was looked down on as the lowbrow you know um, kind of uh, schlocky entertainment um, in in Shakespeare's time um, and you know now he's the paragon the, the of, of the canon so yeah and so these things change I mean someone might say yeah things have just kept getting worse <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, t- to answer the other two questions, so does wrestling ha- or Marvel movies, but let's bring it back to wrestling, you know, does it have positive value? Well, that's what this podcast is about. We're trying to explain how it does, uh, or at least Doc and I are. Will it attain the level of art of, you know, a Dostoevsky novel or a Picasso painting or something like that? Has it already does it have the resources to do so? Well, I'd like to say yes, but well, that that's sort of the the open question for me. I will say I have yet to for the you know uh, this match, the Eddie Ray match, is the most I have enjoyed a wrestling match so far. I I found it thrilling. I enjoyed watching it. It is hard for me to imagine having a truly emotional reaction to wrestling. It is hard for me to imagine weeping at the beauty or power of a wrestling match. It is hard for me to imagine, like, if if we're going to say that the point of art is to elicit various emotional states from somebody, I, I like, I, but also I'm not going to say that wrestling is not art, especially because uh, the artistry in the athleticism of a lot of these guys and the way that they communicate with each other and the way that they create a match is very obviously art is very obviously something that at least could be described as art, but it is not craft. Right. And so sometimes there's a distinction drawn between those things. Um, Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, maybe you have to be, because I definitely have had 
emotional reactions to pro wrestling. But I think to some degree, and look, no art is completely divorced from consumerism. Uh, no artist, especially in America. Yeah, and, I, and it might be impossible for it to even get any kind of distance now that it may have had in the past. Um, but I think a certain kind of distance from at least the direct demands of um, making money and keeping your business afloat is necessary in order for things to attain a certain degree of artistry. The, the artist needs to be free to experiment. You know, you need to, you're going to have to have a promoter who can make a year's worth of wrestling without having to worry about everybody buying each month's pay-per-view or something like that in order for us to possibly get that kind of sophistication. And like the avant-garde is out there. Like we watch in this week's you know, premium, uh, episode we watch Bryce Remsburg refereeing a match between two invisible guys and the whole crowd is down with it I don't know if a crowd of 20,000 or a television crowd of a million people or more would be down with it but it worked in front of the small crowd so maybe uh, you can add that to the lexicon of the art and it can develop into something that could eventually be palatable for the masses add it a little bit you know taken away a little bit just just developing it so there there are those spaces in wrestling uh, for an art to develop. I mean, the WWE has stopped even being like McDonald's and has started just being one continuous commercial for McDonald's, which is not I, good. I feel like it's more like Arby's. Uh, well, they certainly have the meats. Uh, I, I, you know, and I don't think it has to be on a mass level. I mean, most of the stuff that's considered serious art these days is actually for a relatively small art yeah. uh, audience. Um, but yeah, I think the right people need to be involved in it, um, who have that kind of vision. And I think that's happening. Like, I think the people who are involved in making wrestling and who are consuming wrestling, the profile is changing to the point where there's people who are going to have more of a critical eye are more demanding, want it to evolve in various yeah. ways. It happened in Mexico, you know, the, um, like, WWE is not going away, just how, like, CMLL is not going away. But CMLL will still put on very traditional Lucha Libre all the time in Mexico City. But in the 90s, you know, AAA came along and said, no, we're doing something different. We're going to give you American-style sports entertainment, which had never been over in Mexico. And But they did it with Mexican wrestlers and luchadors, and it was huge. It made a huge impact on the scene and the art in Mexico of Lucha Libre. CMLL is still chugging along. They still own most of the buildings that they run in, which helps. That way, if business is down, it's not like they're paying rent. But uh, my, my, my point is, this can happen in wrestling. I think you're right that it is happening in America now. One thing that wrestling actually has the advantage of over movies to some degree is wrestling fans don't always expect the good guy to win. Yeah. You, can sort, you can leave them upset. That's kind of part of it. Um, I, the, when Brock Lesnar defeated The Undertaker at WrestleMania and ended The Undertaker's undefeated streak, it was genuinely shocking. And the, there was a hushed silence. Um, people are still upset about that. Eight and they, later. they did it. They went for it. They did not satisfy any desires that night. And that's a cool kind of artistic move to make. And and Brock Lesnar is still reaping the rewards. Not just oh, I can say I beat the Undertaker. He, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why he's seen as a dangerous man. And one of the big ones is that he ended the WrestleMania streak of the Undertaker. If he can beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania, he can beat you. He beat Kofi Kingston in five seconds yeah. just recently. 
He he's he'll make you cry. He'll break your heart. To quote his manager, Brock Lesnar doesn't care about your children. You know, the two pieces of superhero media that I would recommend to somebody who only loves quote unquote cinema or art films or something like that are Logan and the show Legion on FX. Both of it, Legion, but far and away the most, um, I guess, artistically successful piece of superhero media. Uh, but Logan, to a lesser degree, but Logan is still like kind of more of a real movie than a lot of the <laughs> other superhero movies. You know, I and like, I think that that I like is Joker. I, I have not seen it yet, so I I'll have to save my takes either. for that. I, I um, haven't seen a movie get such a wide variety of reactions. Not just polarizing, I love it, I hate it, but a wide variety of well, reactions. Well, well, I didn't expect to like it at all, and I did. My point is that uh, Logan and Legion are two things that start with you know, with, without spoiling anything. Yes, they start with that without spoiling anything are allowed to kind of do whatever they want with the story They're And they're sort of allowed to do kind of whatever they want with the hero. And they both they end in ways that like are not as concerned with you feeling satisfied in the traditional way that I, th I think that they both end in a, in a way that is very satisfying but not in a way that you would ever expect from superhero media and it's kind of like what you were talking about before um you know the about the uh, in previous episodes about the audi the audience can't really tell you directly what they want yes um yeah. and especially a sophisticated audience the more sophisticated you are the more you have to work to figure out what really will appeal to that kind of audience or as if you're a dumb audience you just start screaming that you want let's say tables because that happens all the time we want tables yeah great uh can I'll i ask some can I ask, what is a match that you have been moved by? Like, Well, for instance, I mean, that that uh, Brock Lesnar-Undertaker match, um, there have been Daniel Bryan matches where I wanted him to win so much, and when he finally won, you know, that was, or even, I hate to say it, when Chris Benoit won the title at WrestleMania 20, I mean, it had been, you know, think about that thing with Eddie Guerrero, right? Where How his position in WCW you know, around the time of the match with Rey Mysterio where, you know, they didn't showcase him at all. They had him get squashed by idiots like Steve McMichael and that kind of thing. So imagine being a fan of someone like that and they've never gotten their due. They've never gotten their due. Then they get to the WWE and they start, you know, they start showcasing them a little bit more, but still they're being used to put over other guys the whole time. And then finally, that guy gets to the main event of WrestleMania against the two most overexposed guys in the company, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And then and you're like, you know what? They're still not going to let them win because they've they've they put them almost to that point a couple of times and they've taken away from them. And then they finally fucking win. And it was Benoit and Eddie Guerrero embracing with the two titles at the end of the match. Yeah, and it was, it was just beautiful. And a few years later, the both of them were dead. That's a whole other thing, yeah. Uh, and yeah, we should cover really we should cover that Benoit triple threat yeah. in detail eventually because that was that's one of my favorite matches of all time, um, and yeah, one of the most emotional mo moments in the history of wrestling. And I've, yeah, Benoit's come up too much where we're gonna have to finally just have our episode about 
That's oh, what God. makes that tragedy so fucking sad. We yeah. loved oh, Benoit. Man. He was the deeply. We considered him the best wrestler in the world, and you know it's. And we had already lost Eddie by then. Yeah, just, and we oh. lost Eddie, and it was it was tragic. It was really tragic. If it weren't for guys like Daniel Bryan and CM Punk at the time, who were not only really great wrestlers who we loved, but guys who were like relatively clean living. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I probably would have stopped watching wrestling after the Benoit thing. Like, but I was already invested in those guys. Alrighty, well, this mini so. Oh wait, we got we more got, stuff. We got all sorts of stuff. We haven't we haven't really reflected on the any of the uh, scramble cage melee stuff. Oh my god! No, we okay. thought that that was great when we first saw it because we'd never seen anything like it. Looking back on it, it's absolute garbage. I want to mention that Jack Evans was signed to AEW. He is now yeah. on TNT He's every great. week. Really good. Um, yeah. They uh, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes were on to promote uh, Clerks Three and Jack. Jack Evans and Jason Mewes met face to face, and it, I was like I was seeing double. Double. Uh, it, it was like I was seeing double. Yeah, um, they're if, the same guy. Based, you know, if, if instead of doing a lot of drugs, uh, he uh, worked out, that would be the difference between Jason Mewes well, and not, Jack Evans. Not instead. I don't think <laughs> he worked out <laughs> and did drugs. Yeah. Um, Probably not as many drugs as Jason Mewes. I wanted to mention, since you mentioned Cirque du Soleil, they did this kind of cool thing where the NXT trainees and met the Cirque du Soleil tra- trainees, and they like spent a day in each other's training camps. Oh, damn. Yeah, that was kind of cool. What was that? I'd never, I'd never seen that. Oh, no? All right, I got to send that to both of you guys. Yeah, I yeah, would. That sounds yeah, very I interesting. Check it out. Um, I get, you know, that would make sense. I bet if you did that aerial training, that aerial yeah. um Whatever is it just called aerial gymnastics? A- aerialism, or? like like up on a ribbon. Yeah, I yeah. bet if I bet if you did a lot of that, that you that would help your wrestling oh, skills. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I know a woman who's an aerialist who just got in the business. She's wrestling as a Vita Von Star. She's yeah. great. You know, everybody look go look her up. She's an incredible athlete. I I know I know somebody who does it who should be a wrestler. Who you should actually talk yeah. to her and convince her to be a wrestler. Oh man, yeah. Um, if, if you want to do it, you get in. We you don't. You don't. We also mentioned the wrestler Homicide. Wanted to point out right. that he is on NWA Power right. now every week. Oh, well, speaking um, about giving the artists some some power, like as you were, as you Evan were, were talking about, one of the things that I really like about that show is that the promos are clearly unscripted. It's you know they tell you where you're going with it, but it's not like here's every line like in all the WWE promos with people who can't deliver lines. It's all right, you're gonna challenge this guy. You have 45 seconds. Go. They feel like real people yeah, for that reason. They feel like real people. It helps. It really helps. I had also mentioned during the episode that like you know just jumping off the top of a cage, you know someone might remember that that happened, but they won't necessarily remember you, Mick Foley. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in this Hell in a Cell match, which we should also watch eventually, he jumped off the cage and people remembered that it was Foley. And it was very important, the context of all of that. Uh, so we'll talk about that eventually. Um, in a way, all of them were just paying tribute to him. I also wanted to mention, because uh, Evan, you had asked, like, does the booker ask people to do this crazy shit? And we said, you know, in like, and I think you asked uh, Doc about Chikara because he spent a lot of time there. And we had pointed out that actually Mike Quackenbush is more likely to tell you not to do crazy shit. Yeah, mo- most promoters will be, you know, if, if the if the context is right, they might ask you to do a stunt. But for the most part, they want people to, to conserve their bodies, not destroy them. And I wanted to shout out Cajun Crawdad, who oh, uh, took that powerbomb from PCO on the floor 
and uh, he should probably shouldn't have done that. He probably shouldn't have done that. I, I, I love you, Cry Daddy. Take care of yourself, dude. Really, take care of yourself. We we want you to have a long and fruitful career, and you don't need to be doing stuff like that, man. I guess that's pretty much it. I don't know if I really need to mention this, but I'll say it anyway. You can cut it if you don't think it's uh, if it's good. But uh, at the end of the episode, I said so I was uh, plugging my stuff. I mentioned something about um, my Mercy College faculty page, and I said... Um, I have one for now. <laughs> and that was actually a callback to some like uh, off color remarks. I had said at the beginning of the show that um, now I, that you've been fired, it's very sad in retrospect. No, that I, I was yeah, worried might get me in trouble, but that you actually cut. So the joke at the end didn't really make sense. Uh, I just want oh, Mercy shit. College to know that I didn't mean that I'm planning <laughs> to leave or anything like that. I am happy there. And, um, yeah, I, I do have a faculty page and will continue to have a faculty page at Mercy College for at least the next few years and hopefully for a long time after that. I'm real. I didn't even realize that that <laughs> happened. Right. I'm yeah. sorry. That's all right. You, uh, know, you can't catch everything. It'll be. Yeah, I really should be saving all of the stuff that I cut. And so we can one day just released an eight an eight hour super cut of us stuttering, making weird noises <laughs> and the horrible off color jokes that are very off brand for us. <laughs> They're not that off brand. <laughs> no, I, not if you know us personally, but if you only know us in podcast form. It was where... a lot worse years ago. Well, I yeah. don't know the premium episode coming up. Um, <laughs> I can't, well, yeah, I, but still. Well, we'll yeah, see we'll how see. much of that we'll ends up being in we'll there. See how much stays That's in. the thing. That's the wonderful thing about editing is that I can uh, present a lie. About uh, <laughs> also, you tell us, like, are we turning you off by talking about, you know, et cetera? Look, are you know, we... the only subject that is non-negotiable is wrestling. Everything else, if yeah. you really don't want us to say stuff about it, tell us. Tell yeah. us if we're not funny. That's my that's my constant fear. That's why I left comedy. I was worried I wasn't funny, and that yeah. tension and stress just turned out to be too great for me. We need your approval. We're fragile people. Yeah, that's the whole reason. That's I mean, like we're podcasters. Obviously, we need attention, uh, but don't want to go out in public. So I could you just know. be playing video games right now, but you know I'm not. I want to produce something. Yeah. Then I can go play video games. Yeah. Then you can check out our Twitch page, where we yeah. <laughs> which oh, yeah. doesn't exist yet, but will soon everyone yeah um, we we we're gonna try not to have to go into porn not that that's a bad career for anyone to pursue but you know i don't think mercy college would like it if i did that somebody's so. got to make that money on that note <laughs> that's my second right thing uh, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, let's, uh, oh no yeah. this has been so this is our mini so um our episode that we got coming out on monday is going to be my first time ever seeing a hulk hogan match uh, that was, oh yeah. Okay. Episode yeah. five yeah, is yeah. going to feature uh, Hulk Hogan versus some guy that I've never heard of uh, named D Dwayne. Dwayne, yeah, some Dwayne guy. What, so, what a stupid name! He, yeah. Apparently, he's a cook. Yeah, he yeah he's always <laughs> he's talking about cook. cooking, uh, and I follow him on Instagram, and his weight room <laughs> is larger than any apartment I've ever lived in. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's amazing. He gets yeah. up at, at three thirty and just starts starts selfieing in the weight room. Like, well, this is what it takes. It's like, all right. I forget what the bad match is. If you don't know who we're talking about, he was the star of Doom. Yeah, the star yeah. Of Doom. All the well, you. <laughs> he was framed as the star of Doom. The real star of Doom was Carl Urban. 
Doom was terrible. It was. It was terrible. Yeah. I saw it twice. Don't. I, I there's a long it. story behind. I've only seen. Oh yeah, that's one thing I want to address. Um, I have noticed listening back to a lot of these that I'm a lot more repetitive than I thought I was, uh, which fills me with uh, a real kind of dread. Um, I've seen like 50 movies. So when I <laughs> refer to like the same movies a couple of times, that's just cause I haven't seen a lot of movies. I'm more of a TV guy. I also remember you telling me that you and one of your really good friends were such good friends cause you both had such bad memories that you could just tell each other the same stories over and over again. And neither of you got tired of it. Yeah, that was you. No, that wasn't me. <laughs> Do you see? Well, that, this is how bad your memory is. There you go. Alrighty. This has been contesting wrestling. Yeah. Thank you very much.